this water gate. Talking sabotage. Oh yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. Fully artists, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris Weber. Here as always is Heather Weber. Hello. And of course we have Caitlin Weber in Los Angeles. Oh hello. <laughs> Can't stand it. I know you're playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our twentieth full length episode. Whee! We did it. We did it. We did it. I can almost mm. drink. It's going to be fun. This birthday's just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is going to be a little weird. Um, I wrote it last year as like a safety net episode, and we just kind of so happened to need it this week. And we had technical problems yesterday, so or on Sunday. So We promise it's not as weird as anybody's 21st birthday, though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And the timing's a little weird, too, because of what happened, you know, with the storming of the Capitol building yes, and stuff indeed. like that. So today we'll be talking about four different historical accounts of tyrannicide, uh, particularly of Greek and Roman tyrants. And unfortunately, nobody tased their balls in any of these stories and died. But, you know, <laughs> that's OK. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I bet you if uh, they had tasers back then, it might have happened. Oh, it totally happened. For sure. Long oh, list. Yeah. There's definitely some Roman emperors I could think of that would uh, have been taser happy. Oh, my goodness. All kinds of things. Oh, yeah. You could see Nero just running around uh, Rome. <laughs> oh, just, like, shit. Tasing yeah. Doing it for fun. <laughs> Actually, they used to say that one thing that Nero really loved to do was um, he would go out at night dressed up as, like, uh, one of the citizens, and he would mug people, like, what on the street the and fuck? sometimes kill them. Yeah. <gasps> uh, what a wiener, man. I know, he has all the money in the Roman Empire, and he just is like, I just like mugging people, man. I don't even need the money. He's like, teenage Uh. kicks right through the night, come out. (laughs) (laughs) Step, 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 step. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was just thinking to myself, if if any of these people had had the weapons that we have now, I don't even know if there would still be people or population (laughs) like we know it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're at least somewhat reserved now, but back then it was like, you know, like Assyrian oh Empire, you know, talking like like 800 BCs, they'd be like, we are going to kill and level everyone in the town. And he'd be like, I salted the soil and, and did all this shit. And so it was just like, I don't know, just leveling a town and, and making it so it's basically uninhabitable. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. for generations. Yeah, it's, it's... I often, like one more side note, but like I often wonder what going in a time machine would be like going back of course i'd always go back a man never a woman but i often wonder if looking into any one person's eyes if their like gaze is like nothing i've ever seen before and like the closest thing to it is something almost like a chimpanzee i know that's horrible (laughs) but it's just like empty and weird i don't know how, how far back are we talking Oh, like Roman times and stuff like that. And oh no, I mean, like I don't know. Really, it's I mean, they're like us, just without the, without the same, you know, like technological. Right. And you know, I just stuff, I but... just wonder if there's just this slight difference that might be like you might catch a glimpse, like a glimpse of with that. I don't know. Yeah, but... I mean, they're living in a different world. That's an interesting thought. 
I don't know. They do things like there's graffiti, you know, like they yes. do that shit too. Um, they play practical jokes. They found some stones that would people would use in slings and they had shit written on them like, look out. So people would just like mm-hmm. sling a rock and like <laughs> let it hit and it would like hit you and then you'd pick it up and it would just be like, look out. And you have a concussion. It's yeah, then you'd be bleeding. Yeah. I just wonder if, if due to the social contracts that are so much different than our time to this, I don't know. Even just a woman gazing at a man or a person to person or class or whatever. It'd be Yeah, I mean, it varies from, you know, culture to culture and, and time to time and time, you know. That's <clears throat> like right. if you went back as a woman to certain Native American tribes, you know, back in the early uh CE, um, maybe even farther back, um, they were, I mean, considered just as, you know, like like held just as highly, like they had positions right. of power Which and awesome. you no know, and you and then you had matriarchal societies too. Um, so, you know, it's just, it always kind of depends on where you are in what where Western cultures, we see a lot more like patriarchal, um, systems and stuff. Bullshit, man. (laughs) Down with the patriarchy. You know what I really, really like to go back as a Victorian chimney sweep and get lung cancer and testicular cancer and die at 20. But at least I was singing a singing a tune the whole time. Singing a tune we were. (laughs) I love Mary Poppins. We had enough time to choreograph a whole dance. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, back to the episode. Okay. Yes. So, uh, aside is the murderer or assassination of an unjust ruler or tyrant, and it has happened many times throughout history. Uh, wherever there is a ruler who becomes so wicked and inflicts so much suffering, you'll generally find that people or some group will always look to break the cycle of repression and cruelty. And it could happen many different ways. You know, if you're a tyrant, you could be killed by your own guards. You could be killed by a mob. You could be poisoned, decapitated. Um, one Roman emperor was killed in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you name it. It probably has happened to a leader so you can only be so sick of some shit for so long no matter what time in history yep i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's and that's the problem with some of them they they push it too far you know like yeah. if they had if they hadn't gone too far they might have gotten away with like ruling for a lot longer it wasn't for yep. you pesky kids peasants i mean yeah <laughs> crossing them lines mm-hmm. yeah dude but, uh, you know, but the point of all this is that the ruler is so unjust that the murder of the tyrant is portrayed as being for the good of the people. So in this episode, there's going to be no big philosophical takes uh, or any deep analysis of the events. Um, we're really just going to tell the stories and just kind of let their blood-soaked content stand for themselves. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. But it is going to kind of be somewhat of a history lesson, so sorry if it gets a little boring at parts, but... You know, <laughs> it's it. This is a history episode, so so, so grab a you. tasty beverage, yeah. <laughs> Buckle in, yeah. motherfuckers. It's gonna be interesting. You. Get ready to learn some shit. Get some new wrinkles in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you learn something, your brain gets a wrinkle. Woo! That's what I heard. <laughs> So, as always, we'll give a simplistic historical content, and then we'll use an ancient source for some color. So, yeah, with that, let's get into a couple of the stories. Yeah, dog. Yeah. Yep. So, the first story is of Harmodius and Aristogeiden, and this is going to have the longest setup, but it's just to kind of understand why they did what they did. So, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> All right, settle down, class. Settle down. <laughs> uh, uh. 
Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no eating a class. <laughs> I'm hungry. So let's go all the way back to ancient Greece. By the beginning of the 6th century BCE, the age of tyrants had been in full swing. So tyrants weren't quite what we imagine them to be today, though some would certainly exhibit those qualities. Uh, you know, we generally think of them as um, authoritative, oppressive leaders in, who obtain and exert power by any means. And that's sometimes true in ancient cases. But in ancient Greece, uh, tyrannos roughly means an ideal ruler or a king. And this tyrant was supposed to be a leader of the people with their interests in mind, uh, kind of a more benevolent ruler fashioned similarly to the kings of the Homeric epics like Agamemnon of Mycenae or Menelaus of Sparta. But as things usually go, what they originally envisioned uh, does not usually translate to practice. So around this time, there were archons, which were essentially magistrates, uh, and they were made up of these different aristocratic factions, so it's really more of an aristocracy. They sort of monopolized the power, and they divided the duties of leadership amongst themselves. And there was a king, but the archons began to supersede the authority of the king over time. And they often tried to find ways to undermine the other factions. So you have all this, you know, like infighting and they're always trying to undermine each other. And they're never really thinking about how this affects the people or the people under these different oh, weird. Uh, factions that who live so under them. That sounds similar to something we recently experienced. Yeah, they're just poor people. <laughs> Fuck them, right? Mm -hmm. Trickle mm -hmm. down, everybody. It's going to work. It's going to work great. So, I mean, obviously, like this really pisses off like the regular people and all this sort of chaos it really allows for ambitious aristocratic greek men it gives them the opportunity to kind of seize power on like behalf of the people and these would kind of be the first tyrants that we see pieces of shit yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's well it's fucking it's kind of ridiculous because they're always usually a part of these aristocratic factions or that are like kind of already fucking everybody like, over fine. they're good yeah yeah i mean usually they're good yeah but you know but these tyrants, they'd come in and they'd claim to champion the cause of the regular people. Right. And they would sometimes raise farmers to serve as hoplites, uh, which are Greek soldiers. Um, they'd have them serve in their armies to help them take power. Or they'd hire like a foreign mercenary Tale group. Tale as old as time. People just coming in and flexing mm -hmm. their nuts trying to take our monies. So <laughs> I'm right. just an old farm. <laughs> I don't know how to fight. That's what it says on this piece of paper. <laughs> So the rich aristocratic Greeks, uh, they basically owned the lower class, which really adds a lot more to the animosity. Mm -hmm. They owned most of the land, and there was no social mobility for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, farmers and other workers fell heavily in debt as these aristocratic landowners forced them to take out more loans. Oh, weird. That sounds and... similar, too. Oh, yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> wow. Yeah. A, a lot of this is going to sound, like, very sadly familiar. Yeah, really, so, truly. Yeah. My mind is not blown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a result, some workers would be placed into bondage debt or slavery if they couldn't repay it fast <laughs> Thank enough. Thank goodness that's illegal now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you unless you get into the prison system. Oh, potato, potato. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they they kind of I mean, this would be a good thing for them because that now it's just slave labor. Now. Now you don't have to pay even pay them or even deal with the money. You know, they're just working off that debt. Yeah. But the poor and the working class, you know, they're really fucking sick of this and they want rights and land. So in 594 BCE, a Greek named Solon became the main archon of Athens. 
So he seemed really sympathetic to the plight of the lower classes, and he began issuing some reforms. Uh, he abolished debt bondage, and he cleaned everyone's debt, so just set everybody to zero. Oh, boy. I hope, and, that, I hope that aspect he, repeats itself soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> At least for student loans, my no God. No shit. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's bitter. So, We're not bitter. <laughs> yeah, not bitter at all. <laughs> so, um, you know, this in turn, it kind of reorganizes the class and social structure. So it allows for more more social mobility. People can have more representation and more people are able to actually participate in the government. And this fails in the short term. But in the long term, this becomes the foundation of democracy, you know, in the idea core, the core idea being regular people are able to participate in the government. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. During this time, social prosperity kind of returned and everyone was mostly happy. However, those who were previously the rich landowners of the aristocracy, they were not happy. Obviously, what? you know, mm-hmm. yeah. what? you're fucking with my money, dude. Oh, that sounds familiar, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Things get out of control and people feel like you're fucking with their money. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 that's my privilege. Yeah, right. Oh. Sprinkle some crack. But my rights. <laughs> Sprinkle some crack on him. I'll fix this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Solon steps down as any good democratic leader would, and he leaves Athens for 10 years, sort of on like a self-exile. And during his absence, uh, factional conflicts just kind of blow out of proportion. And another aristocratic Greek named Pisistratus, he steps in and he tries to take Athens and create a tyranny. And it takes him three attempts. So in 561, oh, is everything good, Kate? My cat is trying to open. Kitty. Ugh, you scared me, baby. Sorry, she had pulled. Here's Kitty. She pulled the curtain <laughs> from the top of the, 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 yes, she had to get up high somewhere. You scared the fuck out of me. I thought it was a burglar. It's fucking Michael Myers, dude. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, oh gosh. Baby. No, it's all right. it's all right. Just here to burgle your heart and your attention. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. exactly. oh. Sorry, that scared me. There's, no, there's so many crazy fine. people that walk around here. You never know. <laughs> Are you happy now? Anyway. Oh. No, you're good. <laughs> So in 561, Pisistratus, he gets bodyguards to ward off assassins and he seizes the Acropolis, but he fails to hold it and he's quickly kicked out. In 556, he gives it another try with the help of an ally's army, but he gets kicked out again. And in 546, he gives it a third try and he returns from exile with a foreign army and he finally takes Athens. So Pisistratus, he rules until about 527 BCE and is then succeeded by his sons, Hippias and Hipparchus, the hippest dudes in Athens. Oh, yeah. Uh, we come to town. <laughs> What's up, you jab-ass turkeys? <laughs> Did somebody uh, ask for a tyranny? Very... Too bad. <laughs> he's very persistent. Yeah, yeah. No, he wanted that shit so bad. I guess so. Um, Oh, there's a lot of money to be made, you know, if you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, there's a hatred for Pisistratus and his sons because people didn't like the tyranny system anymore after the Solon reforms. And this is where Harmodius and Aristogeiton come into the story. So, it's said that Harmodius and Aristogeiton were lovers, and they are also considered heroes of democracy. Uh, they're often referred to as the tyrant slayers and champions of democracy. 
They're often compared to like Achilles and Patroclus from the Iliad, another kind of like lover, hero, warrior, like couple. Mm-hmm. Aw, mm-hmm. that's really sweet, isn't yep. it? Like that David yeah. Bowie song, We Could Be Heroes. We could be heroes. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Just for one day. Forever and ever. <laughs> God, that song's so fucking great. It is so good. Jesus. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, if like fireworks could be embodied in a song, it's that one. Yeah, the buildup's pretty great. <laughs> so, um, the ancient writer Thucydides tells us that Hipparchus, one of the uh, sons, he lusted after the young Harmodius, but Harmodius kind of kept spurring his advances. Um, but Hipparchus just kept at it, and Harmodius kept denying him. So, being super pissed because he got um, denied, Hipparchus, he kind of works to insult Harmodius publicly. Um, I think he, like... By calling him fat. Yeah, calling him a big old... <laughs> you fat bitch! <laughs> and your fashion sucks. Your toga is super lame. So lame. <laughs> Where'd you get that from Kmart? <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's like he like embarrasses his uh, Harmodius's sister at like this big festival. Calls and, her fat and, too. You know, just, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit, Damn. that's like his go-to. Full-blooded. What a bitch! <laughs> so Harmodius tells his lover Aristogiton about uh, Hipparchus's relentlessness and the, in- the and the insult, um, and this really enrages Aristogiton. And Aristogiton's also afraid that Hipparchus will take his lover by force. Um, so he has this plan to overthrow the tyrant. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Don't fuck with that guy. Mm-mm. No. Don't be yeah. me. And Pisistratus had exiled all his rivals and enemies, and he dishonored a few powerful families, and they all seethed with anger against them. So, Mm-mm. you know, there, it wasn't just, yeah, it was like everybody was fucking pissed at them, basically. Shit's a brewing. Mm-hmm. Now, no one knows for certain the reasons for the real reasons for Harmodius and Aristogiton's true intentions, but they're able to kind of rally many of these exiles and enemies of, you know, Pisistratus and his sons, and they decide that they would murder the two brothers and end the tyranny. And they just had to make a plan and find the right moment. They saw their opportunity at the festival of the Panathenaea in 514. The festival was to honor Athena, who is the patron goddess of the city. And, you know, they just, they held games and had competitions and, and festival. It was just a big festival. Drinking it was contests, lit. yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are naked. Wine drinking contests, you know it. <laughs> Woo! So, Harmodius and Aristogiton had found uh, co-conspirators and they formulated a plan. They would go to the festival wearing a costume to blend in. <gasps> and this would disguise Ooh. them and hide their weapons. Oh, shit. So <laughs> They're just a mm-hmm. big, really sloppy, pokey horse. You know, <laughs> is it a hedgehog horse? Are those swords? I don't know. I don't give a shit. It's just got a sign that says "hug me." Uh, exactly. It's a big patch on its butt. Yeah. <laughs> so here's an account of the story from Thucydides in his work, "The History of the Peloponnesian Wars," which was written in 431 BCE. At last, the festival arrived, and Hippias, with his bodyguard, was outside the city and Karamikis, arranging how the different parts of the procession were to proceed. Harmodius and Aristogiton had already their daggers and were getting ready to act, when seeing one of their accomplices talking familiarly with Hippias, who was easy of access to everyone, they took fright and concluded that they were discovered and on the point of being taken. 
and eager, if possible, to be revenged first upon the man who had wronged them, and for whom they had undertaken all this risk, they rushed, as they were, within the gates, after meeting with Hipparchus, recklessly fell upon him at once, infuriated. Aristogeidon by love and Harmodius by insult, and smote him and slew him. Aristogeidon escaped the guards at the moment, through the crowd running up, but was afterwards taken and dispatched in no merciful way. Harmodius was killed on the spot. Yeah, so so they stab Hipparchus to death, and then Hipp- Hippias, you know, he runs off. Man, that just sounds like a bad run-in at Rainbow Gathering or something, you know? I just keep seeing yeah. Hippias as like, this guy with dreads and a tie-dye <laughs> shirt just stabbing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Hippias, he gets away, and Harmodius and Aristogeidon are killed, basically, on the spot. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hippias, he doesn't die, and he continues the tyranny for a while, but this event kind of makes him become full of doubt and paranoia, and this really affects his rule. He constantly watches his back for other assassins, <gasps> and he becomes even more oppressive and ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. like a fart. fart. Uh. He's just... <laughs> So nobody's gonna step on me again, man. <laughs> Fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so a few a few years later, Sparta would help the opposing factions overthrow Hippias in 508, and an Athenian lawmaker, uh, Cleisthenes, would step up and rework the Solon reforms. And these would become the second draft of Greek democracy, which would later influence Western democracy. So it's kind of funny, like. To me, just like you see all these like right wing, you know, people are like, yeah, America democracy. But usually they're anti-gay. And it's like, well, you can thank two gay dudes for the thing you love so much. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because democracy is super gay. I just, I know. Any boo-boos, stick your head in doo-doo. Jaw-droppingly frustrating. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just a, it's. It's funny and ironic. I just, they, you know. I just, yes, exactly. And I just, every time I hear something like that, I can just feel my palm hitting my forehead every time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't learn about this in like um, high school or middle school history. So I imagine they kind of leave that out for a reason in like American schools. Ugh. You don't say. Yeah. Because it's super, like, it's a super popular thing in, in Greek history. Obviously, like, everybody knows it. It's like, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're the tyrant slayers. And yeah, they're like super well known. America invented democracy. Didn't you know that? George Washington. He planted the democracy tree and he reaped the fruit of democracy. Exactly. And yeah, that's he, how we have democracy. And, and now we have He television. reaped the shit out of that tree. so our next story is the cruel rule and assassination of Phalaris so there's a lot of debate about the truth of this story um, but for hundreds of years after its leading character became the template for the evil tyrant you have to say evil tyrant the evil tyrant there you go play it again (laughs) that's better (laughs) so a little background uh, the city of Akragas which is now modern day uh, Agrigento in Sicily was founded in the mid-6th century BCE by Greek colonizers. So the city would quickly grow and become wealthy through land acquisition as a trade city and its agricultural production from the fertile lands. And during this beginning stage, a wealthy man named Phalaris uh, occupied an important office for the city. 
he was tasked with building a temple for Zeus in the citadel. But Phalaris wanted a little more. Zeus? So it was, yeah, yeah, it wasn't enough to have a big old sexy oiled up Zeus statue for him. Oh, Lord. Yep. <laughs> he had uh, hired foreign workers to build the new temple, but they weren't just in the business of construction. Phalaris armed his workers as mercenaries, and they took the citadel and then took power of the city. And he became the tyrant of Akragas. And this was just kind of how tyrants did it. Then it was just sort of like storming with a bunch of mercenaries or, or soldiers, and you, you take the Acropolis and the citadel, and, and then you're just... You're so tired. they were a bunch of craftsmen that had to become mercenaries and warriors? Uh, I think he actually just um, had mercenaries who he like said, oh, yeah, they're just construction workers. Oh, you know, it, it was sort of like a cover. And they get done building yeah. something that looks like total dog shit. And... <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I can't remember now. Uh, I forgot to That'd add. That'd be yeah, even funnier. It was... That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they used that statue of Zeus to break down the door? God. Like a battering ram? I hope so. Or just like his foot. <laughs> oh my God, those statues are so huge from back then. That's Just true. a ginormous foot. Oh. It's like the size of my apartment. We can pretend. <laughs> yeah, unless they made like a big old hard dick, like Zeus yeah. big old dick statue and then use that. Because that's a good, that would be a good battering oh. ram. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's what mm -hmm. it was. So the city flourished and grew under Phalaris's rule. But as wealthy and cultured as the city was becoming, Phalaris was infamous for his cruelty. He was brutal in conquering the native territories around and enslaving the inhabitants. And his infamy really comes from what he used to do to his enemies and prisoners. And this is where we'll get into the brazen bull. So the bronze or brazen bull was said to have been created by uh, Perilos of Athens, who was famous for his bronze working skills. And the bull is essentially a giant bronze statue of a bull that was hollow inside, and it also had a little bronze door on it. And it's said that Phalaris, who had obtained one, he would lock prisoners and enemies inside and build up wo wood and kindling underneath. And then he would light the fire, and the victim inside would roast to death as the fire heated the bronze so Come bowl. on down and get some barbecue. And <laughs> and it was a musical instrument. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the by the screams of the burning. Yeah, the structure of the bronze bull allowed for the screams of the victims to imitate the bellow of a bull. And Phalaris, he just fucking loved it. He just is like, like his favorite <laughs> shit, like, dude. My party and my <laughs> it's like Heather, you got me that like sake set where it's like when you pour, um, it's got a little whistle. So when you pour oh, it, yeah. it makes a little Aww, bird noise. It has a little bird on top. That. That's so cute. So, mm -hmm. so it's like that if there were like things dying inside. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so cute. It is cute. I would like a girl like that. Oh, dude, yeah, that like grill a whole person on it yeah that's a, that's a nice grill <laughs> or just smoke some meats you know that too yeah I mean, variety yeah. is the name of the game and that, that that size a a person amount of meats you could cook oh on. yeah yeah yes there you go definitely so here's an excerpt from a diodorus of sicily's work world history where he describes perry loss giving the bull to phalaris and perry loss's death this phalaris burned to death perry loss the well-known attic worker in bronze in the brazen bull. Perilos had fashioned in bronze the contrivance of the bull, making small-sounding pipes in the nostrils and fitting a door for an opening in the bull's side, and this bull he brings as a present to Phalaris. 
and Phalaris welcomes the man with presents and gives orders that the contrivance be dedicated to the gods. Then that worker in bronze opens the side, the evil device of treachery, and says with inhuman savagery, If you ever wish to punish some man, Phalaris, shut him up within the bull and lay a fire beneath it. By his groanings the bull will be thought to bellow and his cries of pain will give you pleasure as they come through the pipes in the nostrils. <laughs> Pretty sweet, right? <laughs> this baby will get you to point A and point B in your thirst for murder. <laughs> <laughs> when Philaris learned of this scheme, he was filled with loathing of the man and says, Come then, Paralos. Do you be the first to illustrate this? Imitate those who will play the pipes and make clear to me the working of your device. And as soon as Paralos had crept in, to give an example, so he thought, of the sound of the pipes, Phalaris closes up the bull and heaps fire under it. But in order that the man's death might not pollute the work of bronze, he took him out when half dead and hurled him down the cliffs. Oh, yeah. Just cold-blooded. It's just AKA, you gross, puts you in there. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out. I don't want you mucking up my yeah, statue. Like, Damn, that's fucked yeah. up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's fucking crazy I mean, shit, just man. like just like I said earlier, you know, just falling apart like roast beef on those rocks. Tasty. I'm sure yep. he was a fine meal for something out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, free mm. cut. That's oh, nice. the char is good. Oh, I like the char. <laughs> oh, is that hickory? Ooh, mm. Ooh, is that bronze? Do I? Ooh, do I smell bronze? Mm. So, Phalaris would rule for almost 20 years, but as it goes with tyrants, they do not often face peaceful ends. In 554 BCE, an insurrection, led by a young man named Telemachus, arose against Phalaris. They captured him and, in a very symbolic act, shoved him into his bronze bull and roasted him alive, just as he had done to so many. Yep. Fuck you, bitch. Mm-hmm. That's yep. awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. It's got a very Twilight Zone. Oh yes, ending. absolutely. Yeah. It also also it kinda reminds me of um with Perry Loss, it kinda reminds me of like I don't know, uh Hansel and Gretel a little bit. Exactly, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I bet somebody took a chunk Show of his ass off and put it on a sandwich and was like, fuck you, man. Waiting on David is. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's it's good. <laughs> Smells like beef, tastes like pork. <laughs> Need some Arby sauce, but it's good. So the next story is one that uh well, it's a figure that almost everybody knows. It's the death of Caligula. Oh yeah. Oh. So we've all heard about the Roman Emperor Caligula at one time or another. He famously was said to be mad, cruel, and just an all around bastard. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Gaius Caesar was born into the Julio-Claudian line, which is Julius Caesar's line. And when he was young, he would dress up in a tiny Roman soldier's uniform, and that's where he got his name Caligula, which means little boot. Aww. <laughs> that's cute. And it's also what he called his penis. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Did you break your leg? Is that your third leg? No, that's just my little boot. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny he pulls it out and it's like bent at a right yeah. angle 
Yeah, whenever I hear the name Caligula, it's just like big sticky letters in my head. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, it, it's got like a gross kind of connotation, but it's just funny because yeah. it just means little boo. I know. Like, I, I would have like really pr- never pretty guessed innocent. that. No, that would have yeah. been the last last thing I would have ever guessed out of a thousand. <laughs> yeah, I always had like that connotation of like Dracula kind of at the same time, but that's so that is just too funny. Yeah, I mean he's he's like one of the really bad like insane emperors, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he was horrid. Caligula became emperor in 37 CE, and it at first looked like he was going to be a really good emperor. He was admired and generous. He abolished treason trials. He recalled those exiled under the under Emperor Tiberius, who was the previous emperor, and also a shitty emperor. And he threw like big old ceremonies and festivals and games, and just like everybody fucking loved him at and first. He, he was had the best hugs, and they didn't uh... mind his weird penis at first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a wink that could kill, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot. So, yeah. So not long after his ascension, um, his mental health seemed to take a turn. He became obsessively suspicious of those around him, thinking that they were all out to take his place. So he began executing those close to him, uh, like those who had supported his ascension and even family members. So he pulled like a Britney, but bloodthirsty, you know, tyrannical kind of of Britney. (laughs) So he also began to deplete the treasury by giving away too much of it for and using a lot on building projects and throwing huge festivals. So, and he was just like burning through it all and like also his very extravagant kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, fuck, money's running out. So to remedy this problem, he brought back treason trials and he began killing prominent Romans and taking their estates and wealth. Um, just kind of easy yep. as pie. Hey, dude, it's, yeah, it's easy as stabbing somebody. That's all you gotta do. Mm-hmm. He's like, I gotta get new purses and shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Little boots. Yeah, and you know, he also feuded with the Senate, and he had like a <laughs> new boots. <laughs> so he uh, begins to feud with the Senate, and he starts executing some of them as well. Mm. He was also said to be a scandalous sexual deviant. Just all the kind of crazy Roman shit you would probably think. Yeah. You know? The word in- incest is often used as well. So. Uh oh. Yeah. Whoopsie daisy. That's a crazy party. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so there was a story that Caligula loved one of his horses so much that he made it consul. Which is one of the kind of like our yeah. I know. I, gonna I say was going to say. I'm like, oh shit! Here it goes. <laughs> Pop out the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if that's true, it was probably more of a way to piss he, off the Senate because, like, everyone was vying, like, all the prominent Romans, like, vie for that consulship. Yeah. And so for him to give it to his horse was, like, a big, like, fuck And it's you, in a really you know? cute fucking red dress with lipstick on and it's got its groove back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's there. <laughs> <laughs> So another crazy story about Caligula uh, says that he often had his soldiers perform weird tasks that made no sense. So, for instance, when he and his army arrived at the beach of northern Gaul, which is like modern day France, um, after a military campaign, they thought that they were all going to like head over the sea and, and go over to the British Isles to invade. Yeah. But he's like, no, no, no. This is the spoils of the ocean. He's like, this is our payment. 
wind chimes and decorative boxes in your future. <laughs> yeah. Conspiracy so, theories. So instead of going over to the British Isles, um, he just has them collect shells and then they go back. Wow. That's well, weird. Yeah. That's fun, mm-hmm. I think. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that pisses you off if you're a soldier because you're hoping for, like, loot and, and you know, you're going to make sure. a lot of money on these campaigns. So, yeah. I was going to say, at least nobody died, but that's probably not true. I'm sure someone got killed for picking up the wrong shells. Mm-hmm. Caligula. Yeah. <laughs> not those! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's another famous story, which I think we mentioned in our uh, Gladiators episode where... Um, you know, there was a gladiatorial games going on and um, they had I think it was during the ex- lunchtime executions. Anyway, they ran out of fighters or they ran out of like criminals to be executed. So he picks out a section of the audience and he sends them into the arena. Oh, um, right. To, I, it was either to fight each other or to be executed. That's a to, like, shitty day. Going. You thought you're going to have a nice fucking relaxing, entertaining day and you get way too drunk too. somebody is just like wasn't <laughs> ready for it. Oh, man. <laughs> How much me? of the audience did I kill last they night? They got like one uh, eye closed and the fucking lions come in and they're like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. There's so many. There's two lions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to know what is fact and fabrication with the writing about Caligula. Um, yeah. Much of it's really biased and it has inconsistencies with historical evidence. But, you know, no matter the truth, Caligula, like Nero, becomes a prototype for the insane ruler and cruel tyrant. Yeah. So at some point, the people get really sick of his shit and they're just sick of his extravagance and his cruelty. Um, So a conspiracy to murder the young emperor arose. And ruining hotel rooms left and right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like goddamn fucking Nikki Sticks over here. Dude, fouling the beds and... Just the most disgusting ways. The innkeepers were fucking fed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just fucking goats to death and just like leaving their bodies. Oh, and it's just no. like, uh, I can only clean up so many dead goats. And all the prostitutes were a bit tired of being beat up by like some large fish. <laughs> oh, he just loves his fish play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So I'll let another source take it from here. Um, This is the most detailed account of Caligula's assassination. It was written by Flavius Josephus, who was a Romano-Jewish historian. And he wrote not long after the event and would certainly have had access to those who were around him. And this is the account which I've cut some parts out of uh, just to make it a little shorter. And it just reads, ah! That's right. Good body python bit there. My work here is done. (laughs) (laughs) And when he says Caius, he means Caligula. Caius turned aside into a private narrow passage in order to go to the place for bathing, as also in order to take a view of the boys that came out of Asia, who were sent Mm. thence partly to sing hymns in these mysteries which were now celebrated, and partly to dance in the Pyrrhic way of dancing upon the theaters. (laughs) So Kyria met him and asked him for the watchword. Upon Caius's giving him one of his ridiculous words, he immediately reproached him and drew his sword and gave him a terrible stroke with it. Yet was not this stroke mortal. And although there be those that say it was so contrived on purpose by Kyria that Caius should not be killed at one blow, but should be punished more severely by a multitude of wounds. However, Caius was staggered with pain that blow gave him, 
for the stroke of the sword falling in the middle between the shoulder and the neck was hindered by the first bone of the breast from proceeding any farther. Nor did he either cry out, in such astonishment was he, nor did he call out for any of his friends, whether it were that he had no confidence in them, or that his mind was otherwise disordered. But he groaned under the pain he endured, and presently went forward and fled. When Cornelius Sabinus, who was already prepared in his mind so to do, thrust him down upon his knee, where many of them stood round about him, and struck him with their swords, and they cried out, and encouraged one another all at once to strike him again. But all agree that Aquila gave him the finishing stroke, which directly killed him. Thus did Caius come to his end, and lay dead, by the many wounds which had been given him. Yeah, so just like he thinks he's about to go party out with like his boys, and they all just fucking stab him to death it's with like, swords. It, it just reminds me of when some like tough guy gets hurt at a party or in a fight, and they're just like, I'm cool, bro. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go see those boys. <clears throat> like, so what are we doing next? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really crazy. It's really kind of like it has like a Homeric like something out of like the Iliad or something, you know, it's cause like that has very graphic uh, descriptions of like mm-hmm. uh, a battle, you know, it's like a guy is like stabbed through the eye, you know, with a, a spear and he's like, it pierces his, his helmet and goes into his eye and comes out the back and the brains shoot out. And yeah. yeah. And I'm just thinking, man, I just think about like getting stabbed in the back between your and shoulder no, blades. And, that was not yeah. a fun Ooh. visual. All and I could think of was bone. like, all I could think of was like a yeah, rotisserie chicken like kind of thing because I couldn't imagine yeah. it for real. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that was a that was a way uh, what we talked about it on the gladiatorial episode too, which was um, when a gladiator lost and was going to be executed, that's usually what they do. They would stick a sword in between like the shoulder blades kind of around the neck. Mm. Brutal. Delicious. Does not sound pleasant. No. And speaking of brutal, that brings us to our last story. And this one, the description is a doozy. So if you're excited about blood and death, this is it. And if you're squeamish, probably skip this part. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the brutal death of Emperor Andronicus Cominos I. And man, Byzantine history is fucking complicated because like people have like the same names and it's just man, I guess. So I'm going to try to really simplify this. Um, okay. It's it's re- it's very complex and and, and a, a lot of nuance will be lost, but you know this is kind of basic facts, right? In the fourth century CE, the Roman Empire split into two halves: east and west, or Rome and Constantinople. The western part of the empire dissolves around the fifth century, as most historians would say, and the Byzantine Empire would survive for another thousand years before being taken by the Ottoman Empire in the fifteenth century. Byzantium was made up of mainly Greek and Latin citizens, but they would have considered themselves a kind of a continuation of the Christianized Greco-Roman traditions that had made up the latter part of the unified empire. So they actually would have considered themselves Romans mm-hmm. in a weird way. But a like, shambling would, would... corpse of a Roman, but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they, they all were Romans at one point, sure. but they had more of a Greek influence um, yes. in what would become the Byzantine Empire or Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Andronicus Cominus was a 12th century Byzantine emperor who ruled for about two years between 1183 and 1185 CE. Uh, He was the last of the Cominus dynasty, 
and his short but brutal rule would set the tone for his brutal death at the hands of his people. So Andronicus comes to power in 1183 after the previous emperor and his cousin, Manuel Cominus I, he died. Uh, when Manuel died in 1180, his wife Maria de Poitiers, or Maria of Antioch as she's known, took over as regent for their son Alexios II, who was the heir to the throne, but he was still like super young, so you know, right. couldn't really do much. But Manuel also had an elder daughter named Maria Comnene, who was the stepdaughter of Maria of Antioch. Okay. Maria Comnene and her husband, René of Montferrat, uh, opposed Maria of Antioch as regent. They thought that they were the rightful heirs to the throne. So they stirred up animosities on the Greek side of Constantinople since Maria of Antioch was from, you know, the western part. Like, mm-hmm. so I think she actually spoke French. Mm. And they invited the exiled Andronicus to enter the city with troops and help them take the throne. Dang. But Andronicus had another thing in mind. He enters the city with troops and he presents him. A rap battle. Yeah. So he keeps <laughs> the animosity against the queen going and he enters the town with troops and he kind of presents himself as the protector of the young emperor. And he kind of spurs on the angry Greek citizens to rise up against the Westerner. And along with the help of his troops, um, a huge massacre ensues of all the Westerners in the city, which were mostly Latin citizens from Pisan and Genoese. So like a bunch of people die like right away. Uh. Once Andronicus had control of the city, he had Maria, Maria Comnene and her husband Rainier poisoned. And this is, it's just funny because they asked him to come. And I help totally them. remember this story too <clears throat> from, from class in college. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just remembered like it just sounds like everything got fudged like really hard. <laughs> oh, dude, he fucked everybody over, man. I mean, he yeah. gets super fucked over, but yeah. So, yeah. so Andronicus then had Maria of Antioch imprisoned, and he forced Alexio II to sign an order to have his mother executed, which oh. he was. Ooh, cold yeah. blooded. Dang. Yeah, dude. So Andronicus was crowned co-emperor in 1182, and he uses Alexios to help uh, cement his reign and uses him as a puppet until he had him killed as well. Didn't see that coming yep. at all. What a fuck ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This shit should be like a, a fucking fuck soap is. opera. <laughs> fuck ass. <laughs> man, you fuck ass. <laughs> Maybe it's a forgotten, you know, beautiful thing from back then, Heather, and we just don't even know. Andronicus fuck ass the first. Yes. <laughs> the highest honor. Uh, so anyway. Andronicus now has full control over Constantinople and the Eastern Empire, and he married the 13-year-old Agnes of France, who was originally betrothed to the young Alexios. So God like damn. he oh, Yeah, dude, fucking one. cold, man. But it, it's kind of helped cement like this alliance. Um, you know, it's just yeah. But their churches and mosaics are fabulous. They are. They're very beautiful. Very beautiful. The uh, Hagia Sophia? Oh. Nice. Oh, my God. I have a coffee mug from that, like a 1970s one that's got, like, shitty painted version of it. Nice. Beautiful. (laughs) If you've never seen it, it's, like, a a beautiful, well, it originally was a church, then it was a mosque, then it was something else, and I think it's, I I don't know what it is now. I think it's. Back it's, to being a, I think it's back to being a church. It's it's like yeah. most famous for its dome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's most famous for its dome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. So uh, Andronicus tried to quell the power and corruption of the nobles. 
but you know just to kind of help because you know when you have like nobility and aristocracy they're always kind of looking to get power themselves mm-hmm. um but as ha- as often happens with tyrants he became paranoid and he turned violent uh, he turned around Manuel's more pro-Western sentiments, and he railed against the Latins, even invading their lands. And Andronicus then had all prisoners, exiles, and their family uh, and their families execute, uh, executed, and their executed, <laughs> and their families executed, which included many of the aristocracy and nobles. So this enraged them, and they started many revolts against the emperor. And the people were also beginning to turn against him for his harsh and cruel treatment. Yeah, we think your pearls are all sick and everything, but you gotta stop, like, killing us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, as Andronicus was having many of the aristocracy and nobles killed, he tried to have Isaac uh, Angelos II killed. And Isaac was part of the Comnen clan and was also a military leader in Asia Minor. And he, too, despised the emperor just like everyone else. So Isaac killed the assassins that Andronicus sent, and he hides in the church Hagia Sophia. Uh, There he came out to meet the populace, and he pleaded with them against the emperor. The people rose to anger against the emperor, and revolt broke out across the city. They deposed Andronicus and proclaimed Isaac the new emperor. Oh. Yeah, and there's different ways to say it. Like, you could sometimes say Isaac. um, Isaac uh, Isaac Kios, I think, is one way to say it, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't speak. Greek. Yeah. Yeah. It's Greek to me. (laughs) 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 So Andronicus and his young wife tried to escape by boat, but they were captured. They presented the deposed Andronicus. Yeah. So they presented the deposed Andronicus to Isaac, who gave him over to the angry mob. And here is an account of what they did to Andronicus. Yeah. From Nikitas Choniats. I probably butchered that name. And he wrote a history of the Roman Empire in the 12th century. He was confined in the so-called prison of Animas with two heavy chains weighing down his proud neck, the iron collars used to fettered caged lions, and his feet were painfully shackled. Bound in this fashion, he was paraded before Emperor Isakios. He was slapped in the face, kicked in the buttocks, his (laughs) beard was torn out, his teeth pulled out, his head shorn of hair. He was made the common sport of all those who gathered. He was even battered by women who struck him in the mouth with their fists, especially by all those husbands who were put to death or blinded by Andronikos. Burn that son of a whore! <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, his right hand cut off by an axe. He was cast again into the same prison without food and drink, tended by no one. Several days later, one of his eyes was gouged out, and, seated upon a mangy camel, he was paraded through the agora looking like a leafless and withered old stump, his bare head, balder than an egg, shining before all, his body covered by meager rags, a pitiful sight that evoked tears from sympathetic eyes. He sounds like a Byzantine Mr. Potato. <laughs> yep. And if you think it's done, oh, it is not. So Nikitas goes on to describe the frenzy of hate from the populace as they torture the man who had but a few days before been emperor. Yeah. Some struck him on the head with clubs, other befouled his nostrils with cow dung, and still others, using sponges, 
poured excretions from the bellies of oxen and men over his eyes. Some, using foul language, reviled his mother and all his forebearers. There were those who pierced his ribs with spits. The more shameless among them pelted him with stones and called him a rabid dog. A certain incontinent prostitute grabbed an earthenware pot filled with hot water and emptied it over his face. There was no one who did not inflict some injury on Andronicos. Oh my god. Thus reviled and degraded, Andronicos was led into the theater in mock triumph, sitting on the hump of a camel. When he dismounted, he was straight away suspended by his feet by a cord made of cork oak fastened to the two small columns on which rested a block of stone that stood near the bronze she-wolf and hyena whose necks were bent down. Even after he was suspended by his feet, the foolish masses neither kept their hands off the much-tortured Andronikos, neither did they spare his flesh, but removing his short tunic, they assaulted his genitals. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's so funny. I'm just imagining like a bunch of fists just... <laughs> Well, I just thought of someone, like, just farting on him, like a bunch of people just... <laughs> Children farted in jars and threw it in his face. They really loved it when he got farted on. <laughs> Fucking pretty... It's he like received... scoring a goal. He received Indian birds, wet willies. <laughs> and the most torturous um, swirlies. Oh. That's really sad. <laughs> they messed yeah. him up. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's not it's not even done yet. Crazy on air. A certain ungodly man dipped his long sword into his entrails by way of the pharynx. Certain members of the Latin race raised their swords with both hands above his buttocks, and standing around him, they brought them down, making trial as to whose cut was deeper and boasting loudly as to the dexterity of their hands, which resulted in such a noteworthy wound. After so much suffering, Andronikos broke the thread of life, his right arm extended in agony, and brought around to his mouth so that it seemed to many that he was sucking out the still warm blood dripping from the recent amputation. Such was the death which overtook Andronikos, who was desolated like one rudely awakened from a dream. After several days, his body was taken down from the most pitiable gallows and pitched into one of the vaults of the hippodrome, like an animal carcass. Man, I would have taken yeah. the fucking bull any day over all that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, dude, they, they basically just, like, rip him apart, you know? Yeah. yeah I, ne I, mean, I have never heard slowly. of such a brutal thing in my life. I've never heard of anybody, yeah, being like, like, like by a mob. I mean, maybe even Mussolini wasn't like, you know, and he and he got fucked. I up, mean, Spanish you know? Inquisition, all that stuff. That was just like, that was a showstopper right there. Yeah, a that was like Vegas of executions. That was crazy, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I, and it's it's really surprising that he lives. You know, for so like, long? well, supposedly lives for so long. Wait, yeah, like, dude, yeah. you ain't gonna make it out of this. Just try to like nod out a little bit. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Man, so I would have. His... I would have taken if I had the faculty. I would have killed myself if there was a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I. I mean, it's. It's just. It's amazing that he like lived through well, half of it. That's you know. Fun. 
He just yeah. rem- he just sounds like you know a shish kebab at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they were just like cutting him up with a sword. They were amputating parts of his body. They- I mean, it's it's just fucking. I mean, yeah, they just rip him to shreds, basically. Ugh. You know. Yeah. So his body was taken out by some who pitied the dead emperor, and it was taken to a place near the monastery of uh, Aphoros. And the new emperor refused to let his body be buried in a grave or to be taken to a church, which Andronicus had lovingly restored. So Andronicus was the last ruler of the Cominos dynasty. And yeah, that is the horrible end of Andronicus. No shit. That was aye, aye, aye. something. Yeah. yeah and um, um, the writer, he mentions that like, you could still go see the body and it was like really late stages of decaying and stuff. It's fucking, yeah. Yeah. He's like the body of Andronicus, which could still be seen. Like it's fucking. And the final insult, some kid paints his toenails pink or something. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's the episode. Yeah. Those are some, some death of tyrants. Yeah. I don't really have any like big conclusion or anything. It was really just kind of telling these stories. Right. you know, yeah, that yeah. was great. I mean, I was just thinking, like, I remember always seeing the mosaic of his face in the portrait and just always having such darkness around it. And I couldn't remember why, but that's, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure any account that I ever would have heard was never that detailed. Yeah. So, yeah. What'd you guys think? Huh? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were all really bad. But they yeah. were bad people. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if anybody deserves a death like that, but I mean, they were fucking yeah. horrible, and they were just mm-hmm. murdering people left and right. So I mean, well, yeah. hopefully, if reincarnation's real, he's a he's a kitty cat sitting on a windowsill somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he killed like thousands of people. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> it's it's horrific. It's like <laughs> it's difficult to imagine anybody going through that. Yeah, it no, it, it's really. I mean, just I know when you try to like think about like that human aspect of history and like try to place yourself in place like places or situations. Yeah, it's like it's just hard to think about. Sometimes I don't know, like when you I try know. to imagine like what an what an ancient battlefield. Like uh, Dan yeah. Carlin brings this up a lot. Wrapping like, your head around that is just impossible. yeah, just like I think he said. Uh, Dan Carlin said it's like it's like thousands of serial killers just like loose on a field, you know I mean? Exactly. No fucking. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It really is. It really is incredible because, you know, like just thinking that there's got to be somebody in our ancestry that did that shit, you know, maybe possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, a lot of times, you know, like, like super ancient history, um, you know, like going back to then, it's like also a pretty good chance that like one of your ancestors was a slave at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like it's a definitely a a big possibility, you know? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The poor always outnumber the the rich in any point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny, you know, I guess that's kind of what the short, the, these stories kind of illustrate is like, you know, we, I don't know, we, we always, like with people with, with Trump and shit, you know, they're like, oh, he's like a, he's like a God King and stuff like that. You know, I don't know, just, there's people who kind of like treat him like that. It, oh God. It seems. Yeah. That whole shit about like, it's an unworthy King or something. It was prophesized and yeah, all that horseshit. Well, yeah. And I mean, in the point of democracy though, is like the, they're not, 
they're not like powerful leaders or, you know, or anything like they're they are supposed to work for us. You know, like they're yes. servants like that's kind of yes. supposed to be the point. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, a fucking it all... monarchy. Not even close. Yeah. I swear yeah, people just I think... want that sometimes. I, you know. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah. It's, it's you know, a lot of people don't want to be concerned with like the, you know, the Elections intricacies of and... government. No and, yeah, yeah. Politics. Yeah. And... I'm biting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really. Uh, we're lost right now. Yeah. In a lost yeah. period in time. I yeah. I always, I don't know. I always just try to think like these things, I don't know. Humanity hits these highs Ebbs and lows. And flows, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and countries and empires come and go. Yep. Yeah. And it's kind of scary to think about with, you know, Rome, because, you know, it was, it was just a huge, powerful empire and it just all just falls apart and i mean even though they really affected the western world i mean like we wouldn't things wouldn't be the way they are today without the roman empire Mm -hmm. but it's kind of scary because we also have fashioned our government off of the roman republic and democracy so and then we're starting to kind of see the same things that unraveled everything happening now like the puppies and kittens like the the shit covered gauls coming in or goths visigoths coming in and sacking shit yeah. Yeah. Yep, that might happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jamiroquai showed like, that recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jamiroquai with a bunch of Canadians. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to keep our chins up, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, we'll get through it. Humanity always does, even when it's the worst-looking circumstances. Yeah. You know. And I hope yeah. everybody's craving barbecue as much as I am. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good, Ooh. actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know we're doing like no meat this January. Ooh, yeah. It's been, it's been tough. It's been tough. Yeah. But we're doing it. It's been all right. That's good. Good for you. Yeah. Mm hmm. Good to pat myself on the back. Yee! You get a star. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, uh, yeah. Do you guys have any uh, last thoughts or anything? Nah. No, not really. I think uh, things are shit right now, but. You know, we'll yeah. see what happens. It's only week week two, so we'll see <laughs> what happens. <laughs> I think I'll watch some kitty videos after this one. That's a yeah, good I'm idea. definitely I'm gonna watch some yeah something nice. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we should do socials. Yeah, dog. yeah. Hmm. How am I gonna do this this time? You can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast. <laughs> On Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, (laughs) iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. Nero, how did you get in? (laughs) Oh, hey, guys. Sorry, I just wanted to come and get in for some of these mm, tantalizing socials. Y'all got any goats? Well, uh, you can find me, Heather Thomas, on Facebook at Heather Thomas, Instagram, h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas. And you can hear my narrations on Creepy Tales to Terrify, Pseudopod, and The Wicked Library. Woo! And you can find me, Caitlin, on Instagram at Frothy Star Dog. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber. And, yeah, look for a white guy. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be easy. <laughs> that'll narrow it down. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back with another episode. And 
We will see you next time. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs>